it's good to be here. As I said with you, it's been, it's probably been a year and a half since I've been here on a Sunday. And most of you know, I am the, the pastor over Stewart's Creek, but I don't just serve as the pastor. I'm also on the LifePoint senior team, which really meets each week. And that's LifePoint, all campuses we meet. And uh, many times I'm hearing stories about how the Lord's using you. Um, many times we're hearing prayer requests for things that you have lifted up. So in a way, I feel like I, I'm probably more connected to you than you are connected with me, uh, but I am glad to be here today. Some of you probably don't know this, but I used to be a member here uh, be way back in the day before I went to the creek. I was just a member here. You wouldn't have known me. Um, I was a Christian ninja. I snuck in, snuck out pretty easily undetected. And uh, you, you wouldn't know me here, but, but God broke through all of that, that hard-heartedness, hard-headedness, um, and he's done some crazy things that I never wanted to do. So here I am. Humble and happy to preach to you today um, in this place. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to open up to Ephesians 5.21 and drop an anchor right there because that is going to be the text that fuels all of this today. All right, everything that I'm going to say points to and gets this authority from that specific word. And we need to make sure we understand the, that the word, the Bible is not effective because of the preacher, but the, the, the preacher is only effective because of the word, right? So that's what we're gonna do today. That's why I framed it up top to let you know. We've been walking through the summer series called Habits of Holiness, and we've been talking about spiritual disciplines. And each week, uh, our different communicators have tried to thread this idea throughout that we are not working for salvation, uh, we're working out our salvation, right? This Christian life is not us running around making, uh, making these resolutions, reforming our behavior, uh, fervently scattering around trying to, uh, with a self-exertion in order or hope to get heaven one day. That's not the Christian life. The Christian life is believing, trusting, being overwhelmed by the gospel that gets us God. That is the gospel. We see in that moment, we see who we are. We see how bad we really are. And then we see how good Jesus is. We see all that he's done for us by dying our death, dying for us, giving us life, paying the penalty for our past, present, and future sins, and in a moment, making a hundred million of our failures disappear, making us right with God now and forever. And then we see that we're overwhelmed by Jesus. We're amazed by Jesus. We're overcome and all we can do is, is submit ourselves to glad submission to him by practicing the habits of holiness. That's the motivation behind what we are doing here. So if you don't understand the gospel, if you don't love it, if you're not enraptured by it, these things will be difficult for you. So where do you get the power to do them? It doesn't come from your willpower. It comes from you knowing studying and falling more in love with the gospel. The gospel is as, is as shallow as the shore and is as deep as the ocean. And we never stop studying. We never graduate from the gospel. So if you don't know the gospel still, go ask someone here at our church and the rest of the church be ready to answer that question. 
So in our, in our study, at the end of our series, and really the heartbeat of our church, uh, what we hope to is to fill ourselves with more of God. That's the heartbeat of LifePoint Church. Our primary desire is not to fill this place with a lot of people. Our primary desire is to fill people with a lot of God. And then when that happens, multiplication will happen. People will see God in us and multiplication, people will come to this place and they will want to know who Jesus is. So there is our heartbeat as a church. So let me transition to what we're gonna talk about today. Uh, Today, we're gonna talk about the practice, the habit of this dreaded S word. Submission, all right? It must be a conspiracy. Hey, RC, why don't you come over and teach them about submission? Thanks. I get the hard things. And I'm gonna tell you right out of the gate, uh, some of the verses that we're gonna cover today, you won't find them on a frame at Hobby Lobby. They, they, you won't find them on a t-shirt, a verse down the cafe, probably not a coffee cup verse here. Uh, I don't know that you'll leave here chipper. All right, uh, but also don't think that uh, you pay us for that either, honestly. So uh, I'm hoping that we'll embrace and we'll see a different picture here. But talking about submission, it is unpopular. It grates against us. It's like rubbing a cat's fur the wrong way. Why? Here's a few reasons why submission is hard for us. The first is, is we're sons and daughters of Adam and Eve, the original rebels, right? Because of inherited sin, we have this inborn dislike for authority. It's why you didn't have to uh, learn or even teach your children how to say the word no, did you? Very natural. It's why all day long, you and me have this inner voice in our heads that says, do you, be you, do what you want to do. That's our nature. We are original rebels, all right? Another reason why I think submission is difficult is because we live in America and our rebellious culture fosters uh, rebellion, not submission. You think about the the nature of the inception of our country. We were developed, we were birthed out of rebellion. It's our national identity, right? Think about submission, how it's used in our culture and our language in the context of MMA. Submission means you're a loser, right? Submission at, towards your government or towards your workplace means that you're being oppressed, right? Culture says that submission in marriage means that you are inferior. These are all gross misunderstandings, a couple of reasons why it grates against us. Another reason why it's difficult is freedom of speech. Now, I, I love freedom of speech, I'm very thankful for it. But what I'm telling you, that freedom of speech can foster a rebellious nature that's already in us. We don't like authority. And you see this play out so easily, right? You turn on uh, your talk radio in the mornings, the Fox News at night, where all the collective wisdom of the world gathers, right? (laughs) And what are they doing? They're just constantly bashing authority, government, people in power. I love freedom of speech, but if mishandled can foster rebellion and not submission. Let me show you how this idea weaves into uh, media, like music, for example, um, how, how submission and rebellion is woven into our music. I'm gonna hit some generations here. 
maybe I'll cover everybody. I don't really know. Uh, Beatles fans, Revolution. There's one. Uh, here's another one, Pink Floyd. You know that song, right? Uh, we don't uh, need no education. We don't need no thought control, right? Uh, let's dip into the 30 or uh, 40 year olds that might be in the room. We have uh, John Cougar Mellencamp, the authority song. I fight authority, authority always wins. Jump to the 90s lovers. We have, uh, so there was a song in the 90s, Public Enemy, Fight the Power. And then for you younger gens here today, there's a new song out now uh, by this guy named Lil Nas X. Now, listen, I had to ask my daughter how to pronounce that. I ain't gonna lie. This song is Old Town Road. It says, can't nobody tell me nothing. And all our teens are just, yeah, nobody can tell me nothing. <laughs> that grates against submission, right? My point in all of that is clearly to show you we live in an anti-authoritarian culture that typically views submission in a negative light. But I would also make the case that it's not just in our culture. It's also in the church because of a misunderstanding of submission, uh, specifically in the areas of marriage and also spiritual leadership, it's gone astray. Uh, marriage, because of a misunderstanding in, in marriage, submission has caused men to abuse it and women to kick against it. Spiritual leadership in the church, because of a misunderstanding of submission there, it leads and breeds this generation of Christians that says, I can be a Christian without being a part of and under the authority of the church. Gross misunderstanding and distortions of what the Bible actually says about submission. The Bible always speaks about submission in a positive light, that something's very good. In fact, didn't salvation flow out of Christ's good submission on the cross? Of course it did. So this idea we're gonna teach on today, submission is not this uh, elective class in the Christian life. It is a required course. And we're gonna let Paul take us to school this morning. Let me pray and then we'll, we'll get into the word today. Father, we love you. And uh, at this moment, God, I pray that, uh, that you would do, well, Father, what preaching cannot do. I gladly submit uh, to being invisible so that you may be visible. God, save people today. Lead them to good surrender to you. Make us more like Jesus. God, you are so loud about these things in the Bible. They are so good and true, and you are never silent about these things, but yet we, we can't learn them until we learn how to be silent ourselves. So in this moment, in this space, God, we quiet our, our worries, our distractions, our fears, our failures, uh, Father, we, we quiet our, our confidence, we quiet our comforts, we quiet our head, hearts, and hands so we can actually receive you. Pray these things in the beautiful name of Christ, amen. All right, so let's go Ephesians 5. As I said, 21 is where we'll start here. Let me set up just a brief moment of context here. Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus. And the, the climate in Ephesus uh, there's a lot of gospel opposition. There's a lot of allegiances that are divided. Some say Caesar is Lord, and some say 
Jesus is Lord. So there's this split culture and, and no one knows who they're supposed to submit to here, there, governing authorities. And yet it is in this space that Paul speaks to followers or followers of the way to teach them how to be submissive. And let's look at 521. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, notice here that it doesn't say submit, it says submitting. Don't miss that. It's an assumptive submitting. And why is it assumptive? Because you can go back to verse 18 and Paul is continuing a thought here of what a spirit-filled Christian looks like. He's, he's laying out, if the spirit fills you here, this is what you'll do. So he's basically saying a spirit-filled Christian, the evidence in the life of a spirit-filled Christian is Submission, so it's assumptive. It's not go do this, it's because you expect to be doing these things. Now the word here, submission, or to submit, um, it comes from the Greek word, a Greek word called um, hupotasso. Um, and that word in the Greek has two meanings. Uh, one of them in a military sense, it means to arrange uh, troops under the authority of a leader. All right, that's the military version. But in this context here, this is a different term. This is a voluntary, voluntarily submission by putting oneself under another, yielding to another. That's the, the, the submission we're talking about here. So biblical submission, it's not forced. It's not flexed. It's not coerced for someone's individual gain. If it is, it's not biblical submission. Biblical submission is out of our own volition, our own free will, that we give ourselves over to another. Now, we have the what. There's the what, submit. But then he goes on in the rest of verse 21 and tells us the why. What does he say is the why? Submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. There is the why of our submission. We don't submit to one another, the others, out of a fear, out of because they're smarter than us, because of their power, their position. It has nothing to do with them and has everything to do with Christ. Our submission to one another is as if we were submitting to Christ. Then that means that our rebellion and our refusal to submit to one another is a rebellion and a refusal to submit to the Lord himself. This is a great danger. Now, Paul is also making this case here that in order to submit to one another, that it is a prerequisite that we must surrender, surrender to Christ first. If we don't surrender to Christ, We'll never submit to one another. Why do we submit? Well, how do we submit to Jesus? We submit to him because he's the ultimate authority in our life. And our submission to Jesus is a total, unconditional surrender. He does not barter. He does not make treaties. There is no court that you can take him to. There is no sharing of his sovereignty, total, complete surrender over to Jesus. Now, 
lest we believe that this surrender to Jesus is to an angry dictator or a dad who's forcing us into submission. That's not Jesus. He is not like that. Our father does not want a submission to come that way from us. I remember as a young father learning how to be a dad when my children uh, were disobedient and I needed to flex on them a little bit to get them to obey, or I thought was basically submission. We'd be like in the line at Walmart and they're grabbing Skittles at the checkout counter and all those things. And I I know I just dated myself by saying I actually went to Walmart. Uh, You guys get it online or whatever now. But uh, so so you're screaming at them and I take them. And what I used to do is I'd take them by the arm and I'd twist that arm. I put the pressure on them and trying to force them into submission. That was what I did. And we get home, you go to timeout, right? And they're like, hey, I might be sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. <laughs> I'm like, that's not submission. That's obedience. There's a great difference. Jesus is not like that. He is a perfect father who does not twist by the arm. He grabs by the heart. He woos people into voluntary submission because he's a good father. He's for us and he's good. That's the submission we see to Christ and it must come before we can even begin to submit to one another. So the reality of that is there's people here today, just by sheer numbers and mathematics, they're here today. You've not yet surrendered your life to Jesus. You've not submitted to his lordship in your life. Remembering he can't be your savior and not your Lord. They are synonymous. And you are fighting against God because you think he's this father dictator trying to come down on you. He's not trying to twist your arm. He's wooing you by the heart. And others there, you are, you are professing Christians that are sitting in the room right now. And yet there are spaces and areas of your life where you're continuing to kick against God and you're not submitting to his lordship. Listen, there is nothing more powerful than God. There is nothing more dangerous than God. And there's no one more merciful than God. Today, I pray that you would, if that's you, that you would confess and you would repent of those areas in your life or your life in general and be ushered into finding life. Now, Let's keep going in this case here because basically what, what he's done, what, what Paul's done, he's given us the, the what, he's given us the why, and now he's going to give us the how. How do we do this? He said that the foundation is a vertical submission, starts there, but what does it look like horizontally? In verse 21, he tells us it's one another. Well, who is the one another? I need to know that. Who am I supposed to submit to? How does that look in my life? And Paul starts with the home Everybody in here, you all want happy homes, right? You want marriages that reek the aroma of love instead of the odor of bitterness and negativity, right? We want families with laughter, not belittling. We want face-to-face conversations with our children and not these devices that drive us away, that fester introversion. We want happy homes. Paul says, this is the pathway to that happy home that we all want. It's through submitting to one 
another. And he goes and he unpacks this idea with starting in verse 22 of chapter five. He says, Paul, uh, he says, wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. So he starts with the wives. Wives are called to voluntarily submit, put themselves under their husband, their desires, their wants, their dreams under those of their husbands. Submit to the leadership of your husband. That's the case that he is making here. And then he tells us once again, he reminds us, he keeps throwing in this idea of why we do it. Wives, your submission to your husband as if you were submitting to the Lord. Your rebellion against submission to your husband is a rebellion against the Lord. Ladies, listen really quickly. If you are still lady bossing over your husband, your refusal to submit to him and his leadership, to put his desires above yours, is as if you were rebelling against Jesus Christ himself. That is a, that's a powerful thing. Now, I know some of you ladies right now are like, you don't know my husband, <laughs> right? That's your husband, right? You don't know my husband. Now, there will be, we'll get to just a moment on some, some limits to the submission. But right now, stay with me, ladies. I wanna guard you against conditional submission. Let me, let me pull you back from that for just a moment because listen, conditional submission, it's not cool. How, how was God's, how was Jesus Christ's submission to us on the cross? Was it conditional? Did he look at us and say, they're not worthy? If they get their crap together, then I'll submit to them, right? I'll go to the cross when they get their stuff together. It's not what he did. It was an unconditional submission. Like I said, we'll get there in just a moment on some limits. But listen, when I preach that passage every single time, I, I do have to pause and breathe and, and I ache for ladies. When I preach that, I know there's some ladies sitting out here. They're like, oh, you're telling me the submission is beautiful? I've only known my entire life men who verbally talk down to me, who've abused me, belittle me, treat me like a possession for their own good pleasure. You've only known little boys, not men. And my heart goes out to you. I want to encourage you. As I said, submission is a good and beautiful thing. But in those limits, in those spaces, that you would cry out to your church and your staff here at, at the Smyrna campus here at LifePoint, and we would help navigate through what biblical submission looks like in those spaces. Let's go on to the men. Ladies are like, yeah, come on, let's go to the men. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So husbands are called to sacrificially love their wives, put their wife's desires, hopes for their own good to put those things above themselves. And isn't that what we just said submission was? Do you hear what Paul just said? He just said, in a way, husbands submit to your wives. And some of you are like, hold on now, ho, ho. This, not, in the, not in the vein of submitting the spiritual leadership over to your wives, not saying that, 
but a self-sacrificing way, putting your wife, desires, hopes, everything over you. What does that look like? How do we do that? Uh, This past week, um, my wife went out of town for just a few days and all that was at the house was me and my son, my 16-year-old son, Rylan, um, who's not a very good housekeeper. I don't know if you can believe that, but uh, we're there and uh, we hadn't really cleaned the house that much. And then she, I get that call. She's like, hey, I'm coming back early. What do you think I start to do, right? I start scrambling around. I get the, I get the vacuum out. I'm doing the dishes, doing the bathtub. I'm doing all these things. And while I'm doing that, here's my daughter, Mariana, over there with her phone. She's just videoing the whole thing. She's laughing, giggling, Snapchatting, putting it on Insta story for all to see. Some of you probably did see it. Listen, I wasn't doing that because I was afraid of my wife, even though she can be scary. (laughs) She's got this eyebrow thing that she can do that it can penetrate the soul if I look at it too long. I mean, it really can do that. I wasn't doing that because I was afraid. I was doing that because I was putting my wife over me, over my man time, my me time, my rest time, my TV time, my couch time. I knew when she got back, there was no way in the world she would want to do all of those things. I didn't sit back and say, she'll be home a little bit. She can do all that stuff. That's her job. Man, don't say that. There's no place in the Bible that says your wife must do the dishes and the laundry. We don't do that. We sacrificially love our wives, put them above us, and we lead lion-hearted and also lamb-like. Picture that. Lead like a lion, lead like a lamb. Husbands, let's keep going. Slide. Here we go to Ephesians 6.1. Children, Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And all the parents of Life Point Church said, Amen. Amen. Interactive part, I love that. Children, students, if you're in your home, your parents are the authority over your home, you are called to submit and obey your parents as you would be submitting to the Lord. Students, especially in this vein, your rebellion against your parents is a rebellion against the Lord. And, and, and statistics would show, the principle is that, that if you fail um, and refuse to submit to your parents, it's likely that you will refuse to submit to the one another's as you grow and you age. And here's another good thing, students. Let me, let me show you this in, in children. In verse 3, he goes on to say that you submitting to your parents and obeying your parents, it'll actually go good for you. Like it's, So he, God's not just saying do this. No, he said, if you do this, it's going to be good for you, right? It's for your own good. Children, obey to your parents. Here we go, the next one. Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So fathers, how do you submit to your children? How do you put their good above your good? You get off the couch You put down the Xbox, PlayStation controllers, and you get up and you discipline your children. You instruct them in the ways of the Lord. You teach them about the Lord. 
You get up, and some of you are like, I, I don't really know if I can do that. I've got a lot of past failures and fears. Uh, my kids don't really listen to me very well. Um, I don't really know the Bible that much. I don't know if I can do the instruction of the Lord kind of stuff. Listen, God's never called you to do anything that he will not empower you to do. Ask for your children's forgiveness and then get home tonight, grab your family devotional and just read. You literally just read it. No sermon required, read, and the Lord will honor that. That is the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. And then you start to do that. The awkwardness kind of fades a little bit, and you start to get a little creative. All right, you're going through a story, family devotional, and all of a sudden you come to the story about Jesus uh, walking on water and the storm and that, and you're like, okay, we can do this. Kids, listen, here, you take a flashlight, and every time I say lightning or light, you, you flash the flashlight. And then over here, you get the drum, and every time I say thunder, you beat on the drum. And you do that, it's cool. And then five minutes, they're taking the drum, the flashlight, and they're whacking each other over the head. They're getting in fights, and you break it up. And yet the Lord still honors it. He will honor that. Fathers, this is the way that you submit yourself to your children. Let's keep going. Ephesians 6, 5, bond servants obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling with a sincere heart as you would Christ. So bond servants here, we translate that to the, to the current day, which is employees. Serve, submit to your bosses as if you were submitting to the Lord. Now, he goes on to make sure that he gets our motivation right. He goes on in verse 6 to say that you don't do it to be people pleasers. Meaning, you don't submit to your boss so you can climb the corporate ladder. Please him so he'll pay you more money. No, he says your submission to your boss you must have Christ in mind as you're submitting to him. There are limits. We'll come to those in just a minute once again. But stay with me and don't go too far away from this idea. It's every sphere of our life. It's not just in the home, although that's where it's packed here today. But First Peter 2.13 would go on to tell us it's in other spheres of our life. Let's look at another passage. First Peter 2.13, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, every human institution, the parents and teachers and bosses and civil government, leaders, church leaders. Hebrews 13 would say that you are to submit to your church leaders for your own good. Any God-appointed authority over your life that it is good and right for you to submit. Now, let me pause here now because you're probably thinking, if you're still hanging in there, has to be some limits to submission. I told you we would get there. Has to be some limits to submission. We can't just all just bow down to every single thing. Yes, there are limits. Let me show you one of them. And Peter, uh, in, the, in the book of Acts, Acts 4, uh, Peter is going around and he is, uh, man, he's Pied Piper to the gospel. He's talking about the risen Christ and salvation and all these things. And the civil authorities pressed in on Peter and basically were saying, shut up, Peter. You can't preach the gospel anymore. And here was Peter's response whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than God, you must judge. For we cannot speak but what we have 
seen or heard. And later in Acts 5, he goes on to say this, we must obey God rather than men. Were they being hypocritical? Were they saying submit, but we're not going to do it here? No, that's not what they were doing. Peter was saying that there are limits to submission. Some of them are very clear Limits when uh, you are called to do something that is unlawful, breaking the law, sinning against God, disobeying the scriptures. There are some very clear limits to submission. Uh, Submission limited to uh, spaces of abuse, either in a marriage or with children. Very clear, no submission in those spaces. But there are moments also that are very fuzzy, gray. I don't really know if I'm supposed to submit in these areas You need to trust the Holy Spirit and you need to trust and lean into the counsel of your church and its staff and its leaders. That's what we do. We'll help walk through what biblical submission looks like in that space. But I think most of us, by and large, don't kick against submission because of those reasons. I think most of us kick against submission ultimately because we do not trust that God will take care of us. Here's what that looks like. If I submit to my wife or my husband, what about me? Isn't that what we do? What about my needs? If I submit to uh, my parents, y'all are like, what about me? It's not cool. Why do they have to get all the credit? Your boss at work. If you submit to your boss and, and no one else is, what about me? I might lose my opportunity in the company. What about me? That's what we say. And I want to show you that what that is, it's a distrust of God that he will provide, that he will be with you and that he will make every wrong right. Here's where we see that by Jesus' example in 1 Peter 2, 21 through 23. For to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth when he was reviled. He did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued, get this, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. The key to your submission to other people is knowing that God is with you. God is for you. He will make all the wrongs. He'll make them right because he is the just judge. You don't have to fight. You don't have to. You can loosen your grips on trying to create, make everybody else pay for what you've done wrong to you or bring justice to them. You don't have to. Let go. And there's the place where you'll find some great freedom. Now, let me transition because I'm trying to build a case where you would see that submission is not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, There still might be some ideas that it might be considered self-hatred or a spiritual masochism, uh, and you're not embracing uh, submission quite yet. But I want to show you, I've got a couple points here to show you that submission is actually a blessing to you. It's blessing. All right, let me show you a couple of things. The first one here is this. Submission frees us from the burden of always getting our way. And you're like, what? Yeah, submission frees you and me from the burden of always getting our way. 
It's one of the greatest burdens in your entire life, getting it your way, getting it my way. For instance, why do we fight? Why do we fight with our spouses? Why do we fight with church members? Why do we fight with our bosses, employees? Why do we fight with the one another? Because we didn't get our way. We did not get our way, so therefore we wanted to fight, and it is a great, great curse. Why do we fight, though? You don't need Oprah to tell you this answer. James does. Look at why we fight. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you don't have. So you murder, you covet, and cannot obtain, so you fight and you quarrel. In other words, I know why you had confrontation last week. I know why I had confrontation last week. I was fighting to get my way. That's what it is. Think about the trivial things that we do, fighting for our way and the, and the conflict that it breeds. I mean, some people would fight if they got ketchup on their burger at, at McDonald's. I mean, think about the trivial things, the trivial things in our marriages that cause us to go in the boxing ring with our spouse just for the sake of getting things our way. And Paul is making a case here that submission actually frees you up from getting your way and then it frees you up from conflict. I, I drove, I was driving on a small, uh, a small road recently um, and I came to a point in the road, it was one lane only. It was kind of like right around the bridge area. And I came to it and there was a yield sign. So then I see the yield sign and I, so I stop, I yield. I looked to see if there's any cars coming of the other way. Um, and then I didn't, so then I drove on through to my destination. I got to my destination, did what I needed to do. And on my way back, I came to that very same road, that very same bridge there, and, and I saw another sign. It said yield. And I said, well, I thought I saw the yield sign on the other side. And here it is again. I didn't know, so I drove on through the bridge. And then I looked back, and I, there it is. The yield sign was right there too. And they had, in their wisdom there, they had created this idea to put yield signs on both ends so that both people would yield to one another so they could avoid a head-on collision. You see where I'm going with this? This is what Ephesians 5.21 means, that if we would learn how to yield to one another, we will avoid head-on collisions. That's the case that he's making here. Now, here's another reason that's, that's, a, that's a blessing to us. It leads us to freedom from anxiety, worry, and anger frees us from anxiety, worry, and anger. If you live your life under the banner of what about me, if you live under that banner your whole life, you must be so miserable. All these fools in the world disappointing you, letting you down all the time, not getting you. Imagine the conflict, the fighting that is in your life if you literally navigate this world thinking it's all about you to get your way. It must be so exhausting from you. You must go home at night full of toxicity towards people and cynicism. 
We don't do that. We, we submit to one another, listen, voluntarily, knowing that God is the just judge, we voluntarily do that. That's a powerful thing. To be freed from anxiety, worry, the peace of knowing that, then we don't take it home and to our spouse. We don't take it to our kids and they have to hear about our bad day and all the idiots we ran into. Man, it, it frees us up from anxiety, fear, and worry. Submission is the pathway. Here's another one. Submission is a blessing because it helps us find true fulfillment. We are taught from a very early age that true fulfillment is found in self-fulfillment, right? If you wanna be happy, you want true meaning and fulfillment in your life, you better go get yours and fulfill self. It's actually the opposite way. It's through self-denial, not through self-fulfillment. Jesus says that's a bridge to nowhere. Look what he says in Matthew 10, 39. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake, he will find it. He's saying submission is the pathway to what, what we all want. We're all looking for fulfillment, true, lasting happiness in this life. And Jesus says it's found through self-denial, not through self-fulfillment. Here's another one. Submission, in submission, we find our mission. In submission, we find our mission. Uh, many times you might even have these questions here today. Why do I exist? What is God's will for my life? What does he want me to do? Let me tell you how you will never find the answer to that question. By constantly focusing on you, that's how you'll never find it. If all you do is scramble around your life looking for fulfillment and your dreams, your wants, your desires, your career, all that, you will never find fulfillment because you're too busy looking at yourself in the mirror. It's tiring, it's exhausting. But if we can learn that fulfillment is found in God alone, then all of a sudden he takes us and he puts us on a mission he puts us on mission. And we see that through when, uh, when Jesus called Peter, right? He was fishing and he thought that was his purpose in life. And Jesus said, follow me, put down the nets, follow Jesus. He found his true and ultimate fulfillment. So then, then Peter went on mission. So for us, when we properly submit, then we'll actually be on mission for God. What does that mission look like? Well, that mission comes in, a, in an arena where the culture is just obsessed with self-fulfillment, pride, arrogance, defying authority. And all of a sudden, when they, when they see you, when they see God-loving people submitting to one another, they cannot help but answer and ask the question, what is it in you? Why do you do that? Why are you submitting to your spouse? Why do you submit in your home? Why do you submit at work? Why do you do these things? And now all of a sudden we're on mission for God in our submission. People look at you as a, a wife 
and say, why do you submit to your husband like that? That looks to be inferior. You're kind of like a doormat. You might get that question. You might. But, oh, someone else might say, your marriage is pretty amazing. What is it about your marriage? And you might be able to usher them into submission to the Lord and how they can submit to their husbands. Husbands, if you do these things to your wife, you will be mocked. They will whisper about you. They will laugh at you. They will accuse you of weakness. But some will want to know why you do what you do. What a great opportunity to share the gospel. Children, students, when you obey your parents, why do you do that? Because the culture is to disobey your parents, right? Why do you do that? Because of the Lord. I submit to them as I do submit to the Lord. All these ways that we put ourselves under the Lordship of Christ. So let, let me close here with this idea here today. How do you believe, or I've tried to make a case here today uh, that submission is a good thing. I don't know where you're at with that right now, but I would ask this question of you. How is your submission to the Lord in your Bible study, your prayer life, your resting? How is your submission to the Lord in those areas of your life? Children, students, how are you, how does submission look in your life to your parents right now? Is there still rebellion that remains in you? How are you talking to your boss? Do you speak to your boss in an open defiance because you don't think he's worthy? Men, are you submitting yourself to the Lord and the things that you fantasize about? Ladies, are you submitting to the Lord your worries, your anxieties? I think the, the, the truth is there should be something in every single person in here with a pulse that is lacking in submission in some area or sphere of our life to the Lord. That's all of us. We're all on the hook here. But here's the good news. When the God of the universe scans the horizon and he sees sons and daughters who are reorienting their lives around what is good and what is right and running to him in confession and repentance, here's how he greets you. Not with arms crossed. You better have something to good to say about yourself. Where have you been? I deserve an explanation. That's not God. Sees you running, meets you with a kiss, throws a cloak over your weary bones, puts a ring on your finger, Kills a cat, a fattened calf. He, he throws a party for you. That is our good and great God. If we would just voluntarily submit those parts of our life. Let me pray for us and we'll continue to worship today. God, we love you. And we absolutely love your common grace we love, your, we love your past grace. And Father, we love your future grace that you give to us. But God, we need your help to help us to love the uncomfortable grace of submission. For your glory and for our good. We love you. We submit to Christ. We submit to one another. We commit to do that as a church. 
And we thank you for Jesus in his name we pray. Amen.